Hello, this is Chris from Death Metal Dicks. This is going to be the business end up top and tell you a few things. Number one, we're in a dispute with iTunes. We're trying our best to keep the name Death Metal Dicks. However, they've informed me that it is a salacious term. We're not allowed to use profanity in the logo, which of course is a magnifying glass with a penis handle. And we're not <laughs> you're messing up the business, buddy. And you're not allowed to use profanity in the title, which they are taking dicks as such. Even though dicks is short for detective, they're taking that as offensive. So it's very possible that we're going to have to change the podcast title to Death Metal Detectives, which we thought about in the first place. Dicks is short for detective. If you're subscribed, you will experience no change. Please soldier on for us if you notice that change this week before we can put another podcast out. Go ahead and share that with your friends. We'll put it on all of our social media. Just let everyone you know know that we make the raddest true crime horror death metal podcast of all time. Tag your friends. Tell them about us. Give us five-star reviews on every platform you can get a hold of us. It seems very easy, but man, oh man, does it help us out. We also soft-launched our Patreon. We got a few patrons. Very much appreciated, guys, that have subscribed. That content is coming first of the month. That's how it works with Patreon. You can record it and put it on Patreon. Your payments don't clear until the first of the month. That's the same each month. So that's their rules. And once that clears, you get all the content. So you will be receiving all of our backlogged episodes you'll be receiving if you're on the correct tier my true crime podcast which i'll be recording um thursday on thanksgiving i'm gonna spend my turkey day just putting about 30 minutes into a nice little suite talking about charles manson things of that nature you gonna wear that shirt you're ruining the business buddy this is professional time you don't talk (laughs) when (laughs) finances are on the table So, patrons, thank you very much. That content's coming your way first of the month. And then from then on, you'll be able to have full access. Like I said, the backlog episodes, you'll get these episodes on Wednesdays when everyone else gets them on Fridays. If you go through the Patreon app, and then you will receive the True Crime Podcast. And once we get people on the higher tiers, we'll have Buddy read things to you, of course, and send them your way through a private email. So look at those tiers. Patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. Thank you guys for supporting us. Um, thanks for being patient with us through these iTunes times. You know, if you're subscribed, you're not experiencing anything different. It keeps coming through your subscription like normal. But, you know, I don't subscribe to a lot of podcasts. I just type them in. The old thing and then find them. But, uh, man, you know what? Apple iTunes podcast thing sucks. Anyway, Overcast, way better. Stitcher, way better. There's better programs. So diversify your bonds, son. I don't ride for Apple anymore. Without further ado, we shall start our podcast. So, ladies and ladies, welcome to Death Metal Part 3 of our West Memphis 3 Roundup This week, we're going to do a special segment and compare 
the brutal crimes of the West Memphis Three to our friends in the band Vor from right here in Arkansas who are very familiar with the case that we're dealing with as they were a quite popular death metal band during that time. I didn't hear anything you said. You're a fucking idiot, buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so far in the West Memphis 3, you need to go back and catch up on these episodes. If you haven't listened in, this is going to be very confusing to you. Episode 1, we lay the groundwork. We tell you about the murders, what happened to these boys. Three of them got tied up, brutally murdered. One of their penises were mutilated, possibly bitten off. Genitalia cut off. Stabbed, beaten, and then left at a crime scene in a creek bed in West Memphis, Arkansas, with no blood. Very suspicious circumstances, and three young men who happened to enjoy heavy metal music, wearing black clothes, probably burning incense, probably smoking a little bit of that reefer, probably drinking a little bit of those Miller High Lifes at an age where you're not supposed to. Being out, probably smoking cloves. I bet Damien Eccles smoked a clove or two in his day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, shit. And, uh, you know, they got a bum rap. Episode two, we went over the trial. We kind of filled everyone in on how they caught a taste of that bullshit. The judicial system certainly failed. Three guys who were absolutely innocent and because they were in a prejudice, blind ignorant southern town they took the rap for satanic panic when everybody knows satan is cooler than god for sure and this west memphis town took that shit they blew it and they sent three sweet boys to prison for life they put damien eccles he ended up getting sentenced to death son they were supposed to kill that fool but he had a good legal staff who took on the case pro bono because they saw what a grave injustice it was. And HBO put out these great documentaries called Paradise Lost, which kept the interest in the case flowing full time. And because they had video footage of everything that was going on in the small secluded town, it kind of kept the public's eye on West Memphis, which really makes you think for smaller cases that happened in and around any southern area during that time, how many of those cases should have been overturned? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if it took this much effort to get a judge and jury to look into a case that was 100% pure horseshit, how many people are sitting in jail right now that should not be? Probably a lot in Arkansas. Definitely a lot in Arkansas because the judicial system here, man, they will plant evidence on you. And if you have watched Paradise Lost at all or kept up with these three episodes, they don't have to plant any evidence against you. They decide before you go to trial if you're guilty or not based upon what you look like. You could be a different color than the town prefers at a certain time of night. And they might pick you up and put you in jail and decide you're guilty automatically of a crime you have no association with. You may look like you just watched four episodes of Daria in a row and got a <laughs> black hair dye. And like the occult experts said, painted your hair black. 
this this case in general was the highest point of the satanic panic era. I think that uh, this is the most popular case, definitely, when it comes to this shit. Yes. For sure. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know about the most popular. The actual satanic panic case is pretty wild. Yeah. It got out there on daytime TV, and that's kind of what led to this. You know what I mean? Just the fear of Satan really gripped the southern town, and uh, we're not going to go back into all the details that we have in the last two episodes. Just laying the groundwork and imploring that you go back and catch up with this is what you chose to tune in on. We are death metal detectives. We examine true crime, occult happenings, paranormal events, and compare those to death metal lyrics from some of our favorite bands. And this week is no exception as we wrap up the West Memphis 3. Actually, this is an exception. Oh, because you're not reading lyrics? I'm not reading shit. Oh, your buddy's not reading lyrics. We got permission from one of our favorite local death metal bands, which, whoa, boy, is there a lot to choose from. <laughs> There's really, yeah. We picked Vor. What's the name of the song you got, buddy? Uh, Throne to the Wolves. Throne like... Like a like, chair? Like a chair. Throne to the Wolves. But you spread your butt like a baked potato and let those wolves eat your butt. well welcome you guys we're happy to come to the end of this of course this is one of the great american injustices uh shout out to the hbo crew they ended up getting all three of these dudes out of jail they stuck with it the whole time uh some good things that happened to them while they're in prison damien eccles met a young lady that is far beyond his demographic of young ladies Oh, yeah. He would never have married that woman had he been outside of prison. No. You saw who he was with when he had the child before he got into prison. Old loose tooth Ruth. Yeah, she looked like a fucked up gingerbread cookie. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he ended up with someone that's pretty attractive, but she had a lot of money. She was some type of weird architect or something like that. So shout out to Damien Eccles for Weird architect. It would have never (laughs) happened if he wouldn't have gone down for a fake murder rap. So he can't be too mad about it. He was in prison for 17 years. Can you imagine that shit? I mean, you know inside of your mind that you had nothing to do with this crime, and yet... You've been alive for 19 years, and so for basically your entire next life, you're in prison. I just do the same shit I do every day. Jack off and read. (laughs) That's what you do every day? Every fucking day. What are you reading, son? Well, as of late, I've been reading uh, Life After Death by David Eccles. Yuck. It's, uh, It's got a lot of hot. Man hot. on man, <laughs> hot shit in it. Is he just going word for word by like men fuck? Like I had to watch these guys fuck just like this. No, um, he got a cat, fed it tuna, had hot diarrhea everywhere. That's where I'm at. He wrote that in his book. Yeah, was it a pr- jail cat? Yeah, jail cat. <laughs> I want to be a jail cat, dude. But hey, he, what he left that is he he fucked that cat a bit. He fucked the cat? <laughs> it doesn't say that in the book, but I'm wondering. He probably would fuck a cat in prison. He's like, so why they call her the pussy? And then he just cracked it open, man, like a six-pack and fucking rammed a cat. It's not safe to be a cat in prison, dude. No, dude, because it fucking lifts his tail up and walks around your legs like, fuck me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's got pussy in the name, too, man. Yeah. 
Woo! All right, so this week what we're going to do is give our theory on what happened. I think we're on the same page. I think we all know who really did this crime, and yet today they're still walking around free as hell. So what can you say about that guy? But apparently he got away with murder. Do you think he's killed more? Uh, He had to have. I would think so, too, because the smooth expertise. But let's start off here, because where we left off at, we were talking about how the defense tried to frame a case where several different people could have been the culprit. It could have been the mysterious, bloody Bojangles man. It could have been the drug dealer that moved away to California. But they were honing more in on John Mark Byers. In fact, Damon Eccles told the media that John Mark Byers committed the murder. And that was the stepfather of Christopher Byers. We talked about last time he had a real mustard brain. Mustard he had a brain? Brain tumor. Wasn't doing too well. But the problem, what really got everyone honed in on him is when the film crew came to town, he just wanted to suck in the camera, spend as much time in front of it as he could. And he was wilding out. He was talking about the vengeance of God coming down upon these young men who set fire to the soul of hell demons and took these sweet precious babies down with him as a satanic sacrifice to their lord lucifer and then you know what he did what he goddamn walked out to the fucking murder scene yep poured fucking grill fucking fluid on the shit <laughs> yeah he sure set did. it ablaze you, said, you feel that, that damien you feel that heat arising? Oh, not good enough. Here we go, brother. <laughs> and you like squirt more on it and be like, here we go, faggot. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And what was wild is that was the crime scene, dude. You can't just squirt fucking hot lighter fluid on a crime scene. His hair like that. changes so much. Yeah, years. well, that's because he has a brain tumor. It doesn't change, it just goes bald. Fair enough. That's pretty good, man. <laughs> He's the original Skrillex. <laughs> <laughs> from first to worst <laughs> oh man but uh yeah he 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 straight up didn't do it man his brain was just not working right he had spent too much time in front of the camera saying dumb shit which really made the entire public around the situation think that okay well if these three didn't do it he's the most likely suspect he had the thing come up where they found his teeth mark in christopher byers well and then he, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They found adult teeth imprinted on Christopher Byers. And then when they wanted to check his dental imprint, he had recently had his teeth removed to get false teeth. So that looks mighty suspicious when they want to take a dental imprint from you to compare it to the one they found on your stepson and you don't have teeth anymore. Well,. Here's the other thing too, man. I know that that, that I think that's the second documentary they talk about because they're trying to. Yeah, that's the that's the middle one. The middle one they basically try to frame a case all on. There's John a Mark third Myers. one, and then there's like West of Memphis, and so they're like looking at this other guy as a suspect, but they think that maybe that was a different that that wasn't necessarily human bite marks. It's bite marks for sure, but they think it might have been from an animal. In the third one, they say that, like, all those marks... So, we talked about before how they were talking about how there was the knife that they found behind Jason's trailer that was like a Rambo knife with huge serration marks, and the prosecution showed that knife and said, oh, it just happened to be behind his trailer in the swamp. And it showed the wounds, and they had that expert witness testify that it was congruent with those wounds, and they scraped the orange with it yeah. in the videotape. Like, oh, look at these marks. But the uh, what happened? Well, we'll get into 
what got brought back up in the trial. I'm going to talk about how they were able to get them out of jail with some new laws that got passed. Um, yeah, but we're going to figure out the theories. Uh, did the three do it? What do you think? You think there was a way that any of those boys could have done did it? No. You don't think that Satan could have got on his phone and he saw that there was a young man in Memphis trying to ring-a-ding-ding him on the hotline, drawing pentagrams, drawing upside-down crosses, lighting the incense, putting the lubrication on the red-headed girl's pussy, having sex with it, trying to conjure up some sex magic, and accidentally making a baby that perhaps they were trying to sacrifice to Satan himself, and he could have gotten interested and given him a call and said, all right, boys, look at this here. You got a baby on the way. I'm going to take that baby. But in the meantime, I'm hungry as hell, son. And I know that there's three succulent boys running around that neighborhood. And y'all got the power to snag them boys up, tie them all together, and cut them apart and send them to me, Satan himself. Down here in hell, I need them babies, boys. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Let me tell you, let me tell you why. <laughs> West Memphis probably has one of the most important, biggest porn stores there. Oh, it is tremendous. And you're 18, which is the age he was prosecuted at. Yep. And you walk around, and you Scout. find a fucking squirt video, and you're like, oh, oh yeah. how the fuck do you do that shit? Oh, yeah. And all that was was, like, that baby was born, and he, I'm sure he loves that kid. I'm sure the, whoa, you tired? Yeah. Fucking yawn. Just talk, man. stupid. God damn it, you're drunk. And, uh, anyways, so squirting videos, you fucking, uh. Watch the guy fucking pulling up real hard on the fucking hood of the car. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You get two fingers on that. And then you see. And you're really revved. And then the guy leaves the room because the girl's screaming real loud, but he comes back with a raincoat on because yeah. he doesn't want to get too wet. <laughs> Why not? What and push? then all of a sudden you're like, okay, cool. And then you go find a redheaded bitch at the mall and you go, let's have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, when I saw a squirt video, that's what I spent all my time doing. Oh, dude, I'm trying to a, make somebody squirt. I've got a shot glass that says, <laughs> I love squirters. I've never encountered a squirter. Yeah, I have. Is it like hot coffee getting sprayed on you? <laughs> no, <Nah, laughs> dude, it's just piss, man. Hot coffee? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, there was a Harvard study on that shit. Think I, about yeah, that. I got at, you. at the highest level of academics, they determined, yes, it's pee. Every time. But, yeah, that's the technique, though. You got to go in. You got to go above it. You know what I mean? You oh, can't yeah. You can't go straight forward. You got to be, like, beside and go through the front and come in through the hole, and then you got to hook up. You got to go, whisper a name you like basically, I mean, pee. you do the D.O. You need to get the D.O. goat out, but you turn it upside down, and you get those two fingers in there, and you just fucking yum, 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 And you yank harder <laughs> yeah, than you, you ever yeah, yanked man. before in your life. It's like if you had a weed eater that would never cut anything on your lawn, and you were mad as hell at that weed eater, and you needed to get that thing revved up because your grandpa's coming over. He's going to be so pissed when he sees you have to chop those weeds down, and you're on a timetable, and you're like, fuck, i got to get these weeds cut. And you just yank that cord, yank, 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 but you do it fast as hell. That is how you make them squeeze hurt. Yeah. I think you're just basically mashing on that bladder bag until it finally gives up and lets that pee go. You know what I mean? Dude? Bladder bag. Bladder bag. <laughs> you pull up on it, you give it the P.O. Oh, speaking of pee, dude, here's what happened to me this weekend that I was going to tell you about. So I'm in this bathroom in New Jersey, and there's like a ton of people in there. They're all waiting to take a shit, right? So there's two stalls to crap in, 
And then you have two urinals. Well, the two urinals have a wall between them, but it's not very big. And there's one. This dad is peeing and his son's right behind him in the urinal. So here's dad peeing. Here's son right behind him. So I go next to dad where there's a wall at, but it's not like a big wall. It's just like one so we can't see each other's dicks directly. And I start peeing and his kid's behind him. And he looks over and he goes, dad, his pee-pee's way too big. Dad, his pee-pee's too big. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? And the, and the dad's like, shush, shush, shush. He goes, his pee-pee's big. His pee-pee's too big. And all the people in the bathroom are trying not to laugh while I cover their mouths. And dad's like, stop it, Steven. Stop it, Steven. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So, he's talking about your dick? Yeah. <laughs> Dad's dick is, like, microscopic, dude. Yeah, man, shut the fuck up. I, I see your dick. Yeah, I see your dick, too. It's too much the we got same. the same size dick. <laughs> yeah, but, yo, you know, in different times of the it season. It ain't big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, his dad's got some weird shit going on. Plus, you know, different times of the season, dude, it's hanging out different ways, man. Yeah, when I saw yours, your shit was thawed because it was summer, motherfucker. And I know what my dick looks like. Not very good. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just like a fear environment. Sometimes that thing just sucks the hell in for no reason, dude. (laughs) Sometimes it plops out. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this kid was freaking out with dick commentary. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. How many of your dads wanted to suck your cock in that bathroom? <laughs> it was it was just fucked up, dude. Everyone in there is laughing at this kid with the dads. I mean, I can imagine being in that situation because, like, like if my kids were saying something about anything in the bathroom, just like, shut, shut the fuck up, man. He's trying to piss. He's trying to piss. We're all just trying to piss, man. That's it. We want to live our lives. Unless dad was like, you let me know when there's somebody with a big dick. <laughs> no, man. That's not what happened at all, dude. That's not what happened. God. Yuck. So, a good thing to talk about is the... Uh... <laughs> I got too drunk with this, She's man. so fucking ripped. Uh, I know, man. Shut up. Uh, yeah, so, you know, once they came back in and looked at this trial again, it's some sad circumstances because what happened with Damien, he was the only one sentenced to die. And so every single year they had to put an appeal out to try to make sure he didn't get put to death. Every single year he didn't get put to death only because the appeal was pending. But what's weird, I don't know if it's like this in every state, but in Arkansas you go back to the same judge every time. And that judge was not about to change his fucking mind. And he was very open about that. It didn't matter what evidence they had. And it's the same with that goofy-ass investigator. Gary Gitchell. Gitchell. It didn't matter what evidence came through. It didn't matter what changed. They were just so set in their ways. They weren't willing to bend and say that anybody could have possibly made a mistake. I mean, the judge couldn't have made a mistake. It didn't. It was a jury trial. And so every time it came back to him, though, he shut it down. And he said he would continue to do that. But because the appeal process kept going, it kept Damien alive. And that's pretty much only because of that fucking HBO documentary, man. Yeah. Had they not have been there, we... Would have not really known what the fuck happened. Yeah. I mean, we still really don't, but I mean, we have an idea. A real good idea. A real goddamn good idea. I'm like 99% sure of who the fuck did that. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy deduction to come through, but it's just so wild that it went through all this. And then finally, what happened in Arkansas is that in 2002, Arkansas and many other states adopted a law that had been circulating around federally that allowed new evidence to be entered into old cases. 
And that was basically brought around because of things like this where people were sitting on death row, accused of murder, and then it happened in like the 70s and 80s and they were able to go back and check DNA evidence and then prove that somebody else entirely was the perpetrator of the crime. And unfortunately, when the West Memphis 3 should happen, it was like 1993. So we're not talking about something in the 70s when they had no DNA evidence. We're talking about the 90s when technology wasn't too far behind what we're at now. It just got swept up in all this hysteria. So everything was totally mishandled. So there wasn't a lot of evidence to go off of, like we discussed before. However, the same attorneys that had worked with Eccles the entire time, this dude named Don Horgan, bad motherfucker, He came back to Arkansas, and he sent all the evidence that was from the crime scene off to this this company. And they were like the uh, Bodie. Bodie Crime Labs was the number one company for doing this shit in America. And they brought in four expert witnesses. They brought in the FBI profiler. They brought in a DNA expert. They brought in a bite mark expert. And uh, like an overall... What's Forensic the, evidence. That's you. the word. What's what? the uh, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze movie? Or Patrick Swayze's Bodie? Point Break? Yeah, it's a Point Break. So yeah. he sent it to Point Break. I wish I sent it to that Bodie. He'd be like, <laughs> you know what, man? They didn't do it. I'm going to catch this wave. Yeah. I'm in fucking Tank Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Point Break. why did they remake that dog shit shit? So you can't fucking do that. I didn't watch it. Did you watch oh, it? Hell no. Yeah, but I just I got know, the ridge. I know it's bullshit, dude. You can't remake fucking Point Break. Gnarly thrashing. I, my favorite part about Point Break is it's that same crew from Wayne's World. Absolutely. Yeah. Playing football on the beach. The, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, dude, he does the same fucking like circular headbang around yeah, the fucking campfire yeah. when he catches the ball. Because it's a real metal dude, man. He like tackles that dude. He tackles Keanu Reeves into the fucking ocean, and then he gets <laughs> up and he just fucking... <laughs> But yeah, man, Dan Horgan, he takes all this evidence, he sends it off to Bodie Crime Labs, and it took three years. In 2005, all of the evidence that they sent off was returned. They scoured every, I mean, the dirt, the fabric on the kids, the kids fucking skin themselves, all the DNA samples that they had collected. They went over every single piece of evidence available, the knives, Everything that they had. And guess what? They didn't find one single shred of evidence that linked Miss Skelly, Eccles, or Bowen to the crimes. Nope. So that caused the court to open the case and let them say, all right, you can present your case to us one more time. So the defense team came together. They laid out the case that they had already had. And they had all these experts come in and explain how none of the things that had been presented in that trial could hold any water. They have this FBI profiler come through and say that this particular crime had to have been committed by somebody who knew what they were doing, had done it before, and was a psychopath because the way that the crime was flawlessly executed, in other words, at the crime scene there was no blood, there was not any evidence left over they intentionally put the bodies a certain way they tried to hide the clothes the way the clothes were hit was the wildest part because it was like they put sticks and mud in them so they wouldn't travel down through the drainage ditch right right so it's it's set up in such a perfect way that it was like if teenage boys were gonna do it they would have to start doing this shit 
years beforehand, which they could have definitely got away with if they were going to practice it because the fucking police department is the dumbest fucking shit ever in that town. They're dumb as fuck. Yeah. It's it's stupid. It's literally like they went to church one day and was like, I'm going to become somebody everybody can look up to. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to, and I'm going to save people. I'm going to carry the sword of the Lord, that's and it. that's a gun on my hip. Like Before that, they were just busting people that were stealing from a fucking Piggly Wiggly and fucking... <laughs> yep. They're like, uh, yeah, I don't want no dumb shit in my town. We got a Bojangles, and we got a church, and we yep. got a Piggly Wiggly, and those are the people... I, when you steal from there, you're fucked. And the evidence was so compelling it caused the number one mustard head, John Mark Byers, to completely change his mind on the situation. His mind was already changed because of the fucking mustard headed <laughs> goddamn tumor. His head was huge. Yeah, yeah. He got the tumor taken out. He came to his senses. He saw the evidence and he stopped believing that the boys did it. There was a pretty sweet exchange in uh, Paradise Lost 3 where he reads a letter from Damien and they absolve each other of the crimes. How nice. So, before we get into who actually did it, buddy, who do you think did it without it being that person? What? (laughs) I don't know. I was trying to fish for something funny from you. Uh, I'm going to say... The biscuit maker of Bojangles. (laughs) (laughs) I like that Bojangles narrative. I like the the idea that some fucking random guy. They're the only reason. Listen, Paradise Lost is the only reason why that company has been around. (laughs) (laughs) Some dude just rolled through town and was like, I'm going to kill some motherfuckers when I find them. And then snag these three kids up and cut them up in the woods and just ran in the Bojangles. In a frenzy, he's like, give me three pieces of two biscuits, man. These biscuits are dry as hell. Hold on one second. He <laughs> just goes to the bathroom and cleans his blood off all over the place. And then runs the fuck out. So you're saying it's Juicy J. <laughs> <laughs> what if he did that shit, man? It was a drive-by. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Riding spinners. Skirt. Oh. <laughs> Sipping on tusks. Dude, Juicy J has got one of my favorite lyrics in the history of rap music. What is it? On the bed, drinking dirty Sprite. About to fuck this bitch raw, about to roll the dice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah, man, he's wild as hell. What's a dirty Sprite, though? Dirty Sprite is like uh, lean, you know, like cough syrup. And Grey Goose? Nah, dude, and Sprite. Where'd you get the Grey Goose from, son? Uh, rap videos. <laughs> I really do enjoy Juicy J. Yeah, he's good, dude. Hey, man, one time, fun I used to work at a strip club. Yeah. And there was this dude I went to high school with, and he yeah. fucking straight up walked in with a silo, like a, uh, what yeah. was it called? You know what it was? Dingus? Fidget spinner? No, red. <laughs> <laughs> a silo cup dude, he came in, and he yeah. was like, can I have this? And I smelled it, and, and then uh, my boss goes, that has tuss in it and I go, you can keep it. <laughs> so I let him have it, dude, and he tussed it up. <laughs> tussing it up. <laughs> he fucking tussing it up. <laughs> well that boy tuss, was tussing it up. Tuss tuss tussing it up. Pull your pants down. Bitch it's time to cream and cup. I'm ready to bust a frothy nut. You're gonna get dirty inside your pants. Tussing it up. Frothy bitch. Looking for a dirty oh, sprite snitch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're idiots. 
This is the most drunk I've been doing this podcast, man. Not me. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, so reality. Let's face it. Let's get into the meat and the bones, buddy. Let's quit dicking off and tell these people the facts. Terry Hobbs done went up and did this shit, son. Terry Hobbs is Stevie's stepfather, and he killed these motherfuckers. Allegedly. No, he killed him, son. You gotta say allegedly, but dude. You don't he, have to. He straight up took Dixie Scout. chips to court. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Don't spoil. I'm not spoiling nothing. Don't I'm just saying it. allegedly. I'm trying to save your fucking life. Why? Because I can't say it. No. The you Dixie can't. Chicks is famous, fam. I'm ain't. Not right now. But I'm finna be. When you die. Okay, I hope that's soon. It is, because we go die all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, Terry Hobbs, dude. The bottom line is this piece of shit for sure killed these kids allegedly. Here's what happened. Is uh Terry Hobbs. Here's gonna here's how well here's exactly what I think happened. Terry Hobbs. He caught his wife making out with a quote unquote Mexican three weeks before the murders happened. He went now. He was already a violent ass dude. He's got those shark eyes. Anytime someone accuses him of some shit, his pupils get all big, and you can't see nothing behind them shits. So you know for a fact he ain't afraid to get into some shit. Now, is he a tough guy? Hell no. Is he a coward? Hell yeah. Does he like to get in scraps? Perhaps, but he doesn't know how to fight. So he's got only when bad shit. company's playing. My company until the day I'm gay, and then he uh, gets into it. With his wife, because her name is Pam, number one, granddam Pam. She's got that kid. He's mad as hell that uh, his wife's making out with some random Mexican. You know what I mean? First of all, he's racist. Second of all, that's his wife. He rages. He screams at her. He smacks the shit out of her. He tells her that he's going to take revenge. Three weeks later, young Stevie is dead. Now, the way I think he did it... I think that he planned a time when he could be alone with the kids. He knew that between our X and our Y, no one would be around and he would be able to freely snag these kids up and kill them. He knew that by putting in research. Now, these three kids were friends. They hung out all the time. They lived in a similar neighborhood. Two of them lived in a neighborhood that was one neighborhood away from where they were at. So they were constantly going back and forth between all the houses Having a good-ass time like kids will do when they got bicycles and things of that nature. So what he did is he studied their movements. He figured out when and where he could find them. And once he did that for a few weeks, he knew when he would be in the clear. So he set it up. He snagged the kids when no one was around. He tied them up. Now, I wonder in my head if his whole plan was to tie them up and torture them and then let them go. No. You're right. I don't think so. I believe that because he absolutely savagely murdered those kids. Now, I think that he definitely had done this before. That's so loud. I think, yeah, he, not- I think he had definitely done it before because if you're going to kill someone in such a... I almost said orthodontic, but that's like a shoe. If you're going to kill someone with such a precise rate of killing, you got to know what you're getting into. You know, if you were going to kill three kids... And be able to seamlessly move them back and forth. You gotta be prepared for the blood, the reactions. But I also think if you kill three kids, once you grab a hold of one of them and make the situation serious, the other two are gonna be like, "All right, we don't want any trouble." You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's 
They're going to give up. They, they'll do anything to get out of the situation. Other thing, too, about psychopaths is, it's like you said, three weeks before that happened, she was making out with a Mexican dude because she was working at some fucking catfish place, making <laughs> hush puppies. Well, the thing about it is is that uh, most people let shit go mm-hmm. if they're not a psychopath. For maybe, maybe a day they'll be mad. Skip. They'll be mad. But for somebody to hold on to something like that for three weeks, yep. the only kind of type of people can do that is psychopaths. Right. And so if you're going to plan a murder... And you're going to make sure that there's no blood at the actual crime scene. Mm-hmm. You have done that before. That is something you're either born with or some kind of head trauma happens, as we've discussed beforehand. So, if he's planning that murder, which I think that he definitely did. Yeah. Um, he's got he's got every angle to do so. And on top of that, well, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get there. But the, the police not even asking him any questions in, in the middle of the investigation is... Fucking A, dumb, and two, it allowed him, if he did do it, which I think he did, get away with the murder. Well, that's exactly what happened. Just that shitty fucking police work. You know, once the police came around, he's a southern-ass dude, he's just like all the cops, and he came at them like, oh man, I can't believe something like this damn thing would happen around here. You know, this is a good area, these were good boys, I can't believe this, I'm mourning, I'm hurt, I'm sad as hell. And once he spit all that information at cops, they're just like, oh man, this is a good old boy just like us. And they left him the fuck alone. Meanwhile, John Byers is out there tarting it up, talking about mustard and catfish and whatever stupid shit that he's into. So they interrogate him because he's a silly bitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. So what ends up happening to everybody is that everyone in the whole situation gets fucked just because they did not do any quality police work. They didn't, the, you know, if you're a good cop... You look into every single person who's involved in the victim's life. The first people you check out is the family members. Well, the FBI expert that they brought in said that the only person that could have done this crime was someone that knew these kids well. Because they had to have known their patterns. They had to have known what the kids were up to all the time to be able to do some shit like this. You couldn't just be a random person and come in and execute a crime that smoothly without understanding the entire situation. What what like the other thing that's so fucked up is like when you look at the case that like that one kid that get up on that got up on the stand to testify against Jason he said he cut his balls off and put them in his mouth and all this shit and it's like okay so if he did that that would be a sexual angle so if there's a sexual angle there would be you would find sperm yep you'd find all this other stuff so the thing is with the three boys because they were find found underwater their anuses were actually dilated but only because of the water. So it was like a butt sponge, <laughs> a bunch. And there were, but but there was no evidence of like actual like yeah. sexual assault. And yeah, there was two there was different. None. There was two different uh, people that checked out their dead bodies and was like, "Hey, you know, this happened and this happened." Some of the things were different. So like some people think that, and I think this too. I think that they were unconscious when they arrived where they actually died at. I think that what happened is is whoever killed them, which we Terry definitely probably did. Fucking uh, drowned him and killed him there at the yeah. scene. So whatever blood was supposed to be found wasn't found there. But that I don't think they died. The forensic experts said that they probably most likely died from the head trauma. That they could trauma, have yeah. died from the head trauma. They're, like that could have killed any kid. That's that age, that's so. one. That's one of them. But then the other one said that there was uh, blood and vomit uh, and water 
that they died from, so they think they might have been drowning. This is a this well, is the one that theory. came. The one that came. The one that got them off after that law passed in 2002. The one that came in 2010 that ended up getting them off, which was is like the leading forensic pathologist said that. He didn't say they died from the head trauma. He couldn't say because it was too far back. But he said the head trauma that they had, someone of that age, it would have killed anyone of that age. Yeah. So, like, that's basically what he was framing as what probably happened. And the DNA evidence. Which basically what that means is is that they, the guy continued to mutilate after he yeah. killed him. Well, they there's a discussion about how the boys are tied up. Yeah. And they were tied up with shoelaces. And so with the shoelaces, there was, I think there was like one shoelace that was white. And then there was three shoelaces that were black. And the three boys, I, the, one of, only one of them had black shoelaces. So with one of the uh, shoelaces that were actually found, they had DNA evidence of Terry. Of Terry Hobbs, yeah. And that's uh, what I was about to go into is all the evidence against Terry Hobbs. When they got all this evidence back, the only person that was involved in the entire case, and then I'm the, and what I say by involved, because the police didn't look at Terry Hobbs at all. I mean, involved like a family member, someone related, someone that could have been around in the case. The only thing on anybody that could have been in it was Terry Hobbs' hair was found in one of the shoelace ligatures on the boys. And uh, that's damning evidence right there. Yeah, for sure. You know, if that would have been a court of law, if that would have been brought about in the first trial, the first trial would have happened modern day, he would have gone down for that. I mean, well, it's not only that, man. It's like, uh, I think a average pathologist, somebody not even from, well, an average one wouldn't be from Arkansas because at that time they are all fucking dumb. But I think that uh, if you looked at just, a standard pathology report like where they just sit down and they have to interview somebody you look at that guy and the videos he's in he's laughing at some of the stuff that's like happening he's he's definitely lying there's a lot of lying going on but i also don't think that he acted alone i think there was two people that involved in that case i think his best friend have been buyers no, I don't think or the other. The, I think other. his friend. Um, I can't think of. His I got his name, name on here. Hold on. So, okay. um, what's funny is that Hobbs really built a case against himself because he sued one of the members of the Dixie Chicks, and what they were doing is that they were trying to be like real politically active. They were talking about against George Bush, and they were speaking out against uh, the West Memphis Three shit, which is funny because it's the Dixie Chicks, you know, and you're in the heartland. Of America, and you got Christ versus science pitted against each other once again, and you got the sweet old Dixie Chicks man. Who would think them girls would sing that goodbye Earl song? Could be talking out against some kids that killed them for the devil. You know what I mean? I mean, I was just hearing that song on the radio last week, and I would have never thought that somebody with sweet voice of an angel like that would say anything bad about these people that definitely killed somebody for the devil. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> but yeah, they spoke out against it. And basically all that happened is that one of the Dixie Chicks said, okay, here's the evidence. This is science. This dude's hair is on it. These things happened. We're not trying to blame anybody. We're just trying to point out to everyone around that these are scientific facts that have happened. These people were involved 
And you need to look at this website, westmemphis3.org. And so that dude just seen an opportunity to make some money because obviously that's a huge, successful country music star. Tries a sewer, and then because he tries a sewer, they take it to court and they sit him down, and now he's under oath that he has to honestly answer questions. What a dumb fuck. He thinks he's going to cash in right away. You know, the first thing they ask him is like, hey, you're trying to make money, right? And he's like, what? I'm trying to get justice. You know, I just want to get justice. And they're like, okay, but what do you want? Would a sorry be good enough? As you said, sorry, is that all you want? And he's like, well, I'll let the court decide. And he's like, okay, well, do you want money? I'm asking you straight up. What do you want? Do you want an apology? Do you want money? He's like, well, I just want the court to decide what justice is. And then, you know, Terry Hobbs was trying to be an opportunist, which shows shitty character because essentially he's trying to cash in off of his fucking stepson's death. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, they they sit him down, they start asking him questions, and they pull out all the fucking facts in this thing where he's talking to this fucking Dixie Chicks lawsuit. Number one, I got a list. Buddy, great for this list, son? Let's do it. First thing, he beat the shit out of his wife. After this had all happened, yep. she called her family, which is some real southern trailer park shit. Oh, yeah. Her brother and daddy show up. They start asking him what the hell's going on. The brother starts kicking his fucking ass. Takes then, him to the ground. And then what the goddamn happened? And then Terry Haas pulls out a pistol and shoots the brother in the stomach. Yep. He catches an assault charge. That's it. An assault charge. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, it, man. That's the, the police. The police yeah, are great. Like, in that well, town, that's assault, dude. brother. Yeah, that's assault, brother. Not attempted murder. No, that's not assault. at all. Well, he shot him in the stomach. Um, and again, three weeks before the murder, Terry found out that Pam had cheated on him, and he swore revenge on her. Yeah. He said it to other people audibly. There was multiple witnesses to that. Two weeks after Stevie died, Pam, his wife, said Terry had to leave town because it was too much and he couldn't handle being around Pam. They separated, got a divorce. He never came back to West Memphis. Surprise. Hmm. He has a ton of shitty alibis. He had many different stories for where he was at during the time trying to cover his tracks. First of all, he dropped Pam off for work at 5 p.m. What he told police... Many times is that he joins John Mark Byers to search for the kids. His friend David Jacoby, one of his meth pals, says that he came. He tries to say that. Um, I'm sorry, Terry tries to say that he went to David Jacoby's house to play guitar. Now David Jacoby says yes, Terry did show up, but only for like an hour. Terry says he was there for the whole time, and then he says he doesn't recall ever being at David Jacoby's house. Jacoby says that Terry showed up and he was there for about an hour, but he left three different times, which all fit the time frame that the FBI profiler said the murders probably happened. So he was gone from this house where he was over there doing meth and playing guitar from 6.30 to 8 p.m., which is the most crucial time because that's when people were out searching for the kids. And I'm about to tell you that's also what tied him in to where he was seen with the kids last so this dude basically dropped a dime on his friend and said, yeah, he was here, which is right in the area, same neighborhood, and he was playing guitar with me, and he left three times. And he left between then, he left around, I think, like 9.30 to 11, 
And then he was unaccounted for from like 2 a.m. till 5 a.m. And all those times were different periods where that area was left alone. Like they had to look through that area a couple of times, didn't find anything. And then, you know, the entire night that we had talked about how the police came, they didn't make that big, big of a deal about it the first night. They had said, like, okay, we'll, we'll look around, but then tomorrow we'll come back and scour the area officially if they're not home yet. So that gave him tons of time to be completely unaccounted for. And he tried to make all types of dumbass lies about where he had been at. But he, this is the main thing is that this David Jacoby guy was his friend. He had no reason to say anything else but that he was on. Is that who you're talking about that you think was probably yeah. helping him out? And, th- and this is why, because um, Mark Byers discusses the fact that whenever he sees Terry show up, he shows up with David J- Jacoby. And yeah. then they go, hey, we're going to go. What's the name of the woods that they found him in? Robin Hood Hills. Well, yeah, it's in that neighborhood that, where that wood is. I, f- I forgot what they called it. All the locals have a certain name for it or whatever. But um, they said, oh, we already looked there. And so they say, fuck it. I'm not right. going to, you know, don't worry about it. We'll we'll go back at some point, you know, if, if something doesn't turn up. Mm-hmm. And that's eventually where the boys are found. Yeah. So the issue is that if David Jacoby was with him yep. when they went to go, quote, look, which yeah. they probably went to go look because they went to go get disposed of the bodies. I'm not saying necessarily David Jacoby is definitely guilty, but there's something weird about that story. And then also fucking Terry, like for sure, like, there's nothing matches up and the way that that dude acts, he acts like a typical fucking psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a, he's emotionless. He tries to do that thing where you like accuse him of something and they'd laugh it off. You well, know? then also too, I think that he was also accused of his wife that he divorced the, the son that died. There was also a daughter involved and then he may have sexually assaulted her. Yeah. So those are all things that psychopaths do. They act out sexually. They're never guilty. Things that uh, they they just have no empathy at all. Right. Okay. And also, and he's a mullet. So fuck. Dude. Yeah, that mullet's fucked up. So. That's damning evidence right there. You got a mustache and a mullet. Catfish eyes. He sucks at guitar. That's important evidence. Yeah. He's supposedly out here playing guitar all over the place, but he sucks. Sucks fucking dick at guitar. I mean, he plays a fucking ovation guitar. I think. Yeah. If you play an ovation, fuck you. you yeah. I went to an ovation fuck like fucking here. seminar thing one time. For what? What? My, Why? My grandpa Where? was like, How? "When?" Yeah, when I was a kid, because I was playing guitar and shit. Yeah. And he was like, well, "I want you to experience acoustic music." And I was like, "All right." So we go, and I'm like, "Yeah, this sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the most important evidence that they got of that Dixie Chicks thing is that they have to ask him like. Okay, so on the day the boys disappeared, you testified you had not seen them at all, correct? And Terry says, no, I didn't see them. They say, okay, so we have someone that's willing to testify right now that they saw you with the boys. Would you still say under oath that you weren't around those boys? And he says, well, I can't recall. You know? So... Which is a fucking lie. Yeah, definitely a lie. So Jamie Clark Ballard... She is three houses away from Stephen Branch, and that's right in that bordering neighborhood. So she says that all those boys travel through their yard every single day. And she said that they were getting in their car to go to church. She saw the three boys like normal. She told them they're going to church. They need to get out of their yard. And that one of the boys was like, you can't tell me what to do. And she said she was like, all right, whatever, and starts leaving. And then she saw Terry trying to call Stevie back to the house and saw the other two boys playing around 
and that uh, she saw Terry running towards them, and they were just goofing off and playing with their bikes, and that was the exact time. That's the last time they were ever seen. This is what this is why I think that Terry may have killed the other two boys. Yeah, is beforehand. Um, Mark Byers um, had told what's is it Steve? What's what's the Byers boy's name? Stevie. No, so, no, uh, the Byer, Christopher. Christopher. So Christopher was told to come back home. He ignored him, and so whenever he finally did come back home, Mark had whooped his ass. He gave him a spanking. Yeah, and he said, "I'm leaving home." I'm I'm running away, so that's when they all three met up, and they took off, and so they I guess they were all gonna be like, all right, fuck, it, we're leaving, and they bailed. Yeah, and then before that, it all happened too. Um, he decided he was gonna go home and do something, and ended up breaking a window, so two strikes. So on top of this, he's got ADHD, which we both have. Oh yeah. So you do wild and shit all like that. Types of all, wild the, shit. all the fucking still is it a fucking still too, man. I, I haven't even gotten my Adderall refilled, and boy, I'm wild and out. Me too. I'm spun out, dude. It's been like two months that I'm just doing wild shit. It's bad, all man. Time. I forget it, things all the time. I'm I'm acting impulsively. Yeah. Even when I'm on my medicine. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so so here's the thing is so he already had two strikes against him. He's pissed at his fucking stepdad. He bails. Then imagine the. I mean, I guarantee the kid that said, I don't got to listen to you, is that fucking kid. Oh, yeah. Because that was me, That was me, too, man. Yeah. Shut (laughs) Shut the fuck up. When Terry gets a hold of him, imagine the fucking smart shit that he said to that kid. Because isn't he the one that got general, he was the one with the general mutilation, right? Yeah, the buyer's kid. So he probably popped off to Terry. Right. Pissed him off. And then he was like, fuck it, I'm killing all these fucking kids. Or yeah. So, you know, like he definitely. had to have, man. He was probably just mad as shit at them anyway. Because I know that fucking... there's people in my neighborhood and your neighborhood that wanted to kill us. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude. Look, man, if you had any dealings with me as a youth, you wanted to kill me. I was unstoppable, son, because once I figured out... It's like me with the TSA current day because someone let me know that the, the TSA can't do anything to you at all. The the most they can do is if you like have done something suspicious, they can call the airport, like the actual police, the city police over to like talk to you and try to detain you. But you have to have done something. So I am a fucking asshole to because the TSA is worthless. We know this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they just pointlessly hassle you like i'm always shitty to them so now i just know like when i go to the airport they fuck with me no matter what like a couple weeks ago i went and so like usually i'll carry like pre-workout with me and they'll like take my pre-workout and like check it for powder just do all types of dumb little shit to make it slower for me well i didn't bring it like two weeks ago i made sure i didn't have shit in my bag they fucking made me like like you take your shoes off. They made me put my sh- like they knew before I went through they're gonna do this. So they make me take my shoes out of the bin that I put them in, put them in a different bin. So when they come through, they take my shoes out and test my shoes with that swab shit. And uh, I'm like, it's my sh- I don't have any powder this time. It's gonna be my shoes. And the dude goes, yeah, you know, just the th- the soles are so thick. But I'm shooting to TSA. That's the thing is that I deserve it for sure because there used to be the same guy. You deserve it because you got me fucking searched one time. The the same guy that <laughs> we hold, the same guy used to always be at the front of the TSA, and like he would like point at your headphones, and I'd take my fucking headphones off, and he'd be like, "Where are you headed?" And I would tell him. But then someone told me that the TSA had no power over you, so I was like, "All right, cool. I'm not going to be interrogated by this motherfucker every time." 
So I started going, and he the first time he pointed, I took my headphones off. He's like, where are you headed? And I go, shut the fuck up, detective. And then after four weeks in a row of that shit, he just thought, like, I would come in, and I could see him just fucking disappear and, like, try to switch with somebody. And then no one would ask me a question. But w- around that time is when I, they started searching, like, my pants. And, like, no matter what pants I'm wearing, shorts, jeans, whatever, they always search the front and back of my pants now. Every fucking time, no matter what. And I did that to myself. And what's your comment to them when they do that? I'm, well, okay, so the two weeks ago, I had this dude, and it, I saw the thing beep, and I was like, God damn it. And he started doing it. He was like, they explained it to you, they're like, I got to take my hand and search around the back of your pants and the front of your pants. I'm going to go around the cuff. I'm going to go up and down with the back of my hand. And I go, just hurry the fuck up. And the guy goes, come again. I said, hurry the fuck up. He's like, okay. Do you want to do it here? You want to get a private screen? I was like, I want to do it here, and I want you to go fucking fast. <laughs> and so he starts doing it. <laughs> He's like, you got a plane you got to get to right away. And I was like, I'm not answering your questions. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Just that fake cop shit, man. I hate that shit. And then the last, the the last time I went, the thing popped, and the dude was like trying to explain to me. I was like, man, shut up and do it. <laughs> and he was just like, okay, sir, okay, sir, okay, sir. Like I feel like they had told him about me, but then he didn't put two and two together until it rang, and I was like, man. well, don't they scan your ID? So they probably like marked you as. Who knows, man, but they're always fucking with me, and I deserve it, but fuck them. Yeah, I remember we were in Portland one time, and you fucking uh, told, you called the guy Kojak, and he pulled both of us out of the line. He's like, y'all look alike. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go, dude. Dude, I stressed my friend Sam out so much, uh, Sam Talent, because we were at the airport together one time, and uh, I had to piss real bad. And uh, we like all of our shit was coming through, and the guy was like, he pulled my bag like he was gonna search it, and I was like, hey man, I fly every week. I flew here. I don't have shit in my bag. I'm not supposed to. Hurry the fuck up. I gotta piss right now. Fucking hurry up. There's nothing wrong with my bag. And the dude's like looking at me and looking at Sam, and he's like starting to open. I'm like, dude, no. There's nothing in there that's not supposed to be in there. It's just it's this. This is what's popping up. Just fucking look at it and let me go now. And Sam was like, ooh, you're making friends, aren't you? <laughs> you know, nervous and shit. Fuck the TSA. How do we even get on that? Oh, yeah, how we treat adults. But, yeah, yeah. dude, I've always been like that. That's how I treated teachers, son. That's how oh, I yeah. treated people at church, son. <laughs> I never fucking respected. Yeah, man, it's the smallest thing. It's like everything that you want to do and if somebody interrupts it, it just pisses you off. You're yeah. just like, hey, I got a goal right now, and I'm do- I've, I got <laughs> yeah. hyper-focus, and I'm fucking doing it, dude. But, yeah, that's probably exactly how those kids are, and it just drove that motherfucker. He rages. He rages. That's his thing, dude. Yeah. He fucking rages. I mean, he beat the shit out of his wife. He fucking shot his wife's brother. He just rages out, dude. And when you get that type of blind rage, consequences don't really speak to you until after you're done. And so for someone like that, they have to be an expert at cleaning up the type of mess that they cause. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what he was. He had done some shit like that before. He knew how to get rid of bodies. He knew a good way to find a fucking way to uh, hide that shit. You know, and he did. And he got away with it. I mean, he's still walking around right now, allegedly. I'm curious to know if like, maybe he had dumped some bodies there beforehand. 
I mean, who knows, dude, because the way that he did it, you know, by wrapping the clothes around that stick and putting them in the river so they don't float downstream, he had some knowledge as to how that exact spot worked. So if he didn't know that, then he knew enough about committing crime in general to make that crime scene set up like that. But it's bullshit, man. This whole thing's garbage. I mean, it's a clear-cut case of injustice because you had three people you can't give somebody enough shit to make up for them being in prison for 17 years no it doesn't matter how much money i mean 17 years of your fucking well, life that's why, dude that's why the the alfred plea was a fucking thing it was like they're like i'm basically saying i'm guilty but i did not cre- i did not do these crimes and so they get right. out and so it was the only way for the state to really cover their fucking ass because right. they yeah, had just they postponed everything. Yep. Because if you watch the third documentary, it's like they have the new evidence, but they're like, the only thing we could basically do is give you the alpha plea. And so they figure it out and they're like, you know, we have to. Yeah. I mean, they just, they knew that they had to give it to them. So they couldn't sue their fucking ass. Exactly. That's exactly why. Yep. For sure. Because if they would have admitted any wrongdoing, I mean, they had to tread lightly on that shit. If they admitted any fucking wrongdoing, it would have been their ass because it's so absurd. It's absolute insanity. And, you know, they went to every extent they could of the law to appeal this case. I mean, it went to the Supreme Court of Arkansas over and over and over again. And it's just a mess, man, and all I want is for it to be an example for future generations on how not to handle shit, man. You just can't judge a fucking book by the cover. You can't, I mean, it's disgusting, and I'm sure it is. I'm sure, you know, this is a great example to people on how. A prime example is I've been dressing like this since I was in high school. Yeah. And I got brought up in a fucking meeting at work one time and somebody said I was like a Stephen King novel, the cover. <laughs> the inside of it was fucking yoga moms. You know, yeah. and it's like I work at a fucking emergency children's shelter where we just house kids and we try to like take them in and give them good examples of what not to be like and try to save their lives. And uh that that's the fucking crazy thing, man. If you're going to fucking profile somebody because they like fucking metal, you're dumb as fuck, man. You're dumb. You're dumb. It's all the people that dress up in suit and ties that are the ones that really fucking shit up. It's not everybody. But well, yeah, no, no, it's not everybody. But the thing is, is that if you're going to be a criminal, you're going to try to hide it. You're not going to be suspicious. You know, we look, quote unquote, suspicious, which we really don't. You know, you don't hear, uh, you know, we hear about, like, decapitated. That's the only, look at all the, look, all right, in show business right now, look at all the allegations that are coming out against comedians, actors, musicians. Decapitated is, like, the only metal <laughs> that's yeah. that's in the whole thing. You know, it's not, uh, it's not a scene where people prey on each other. And that's just because it's the fringes of the world. You know, these are, this is, we're people that are on the outside. We're, we're people that have had these type of things done to us. We're trying to get away from this type of culture, you know? Yeah. And it's a tight community for the most part. There's flaws, but if you take the metal community and put that against any other entertainment genre, I guarantee we come out looking squeaky clean. 
especially like in punk metal, all that stuff. But the thing is, is that everything outside of that, they set boundaries. So they set boundaries on how you look, the way you should act, the way yeah. you should conduct yourself in public. Yeah. And, uh, to me, that's all bullshit. So what you're doing is you're going, hey, you're not an individual. We need you to act like this. And if you act like this, you're fine. And the the thing is, like, BTK, that dude act, acted within the confines of that right, fucking yeah, circle. he was perfect, dude. He was a... And it's stupid. Ted Bundy is another one, you know? Yeah, oh, good-looking good looking young man. He could never do anything like that. Yeah, man, I mean, it's all anywhere that you let somebody... Give get the uh, anywhere you give someone the authority to be fake, they're gonna be fake. Yeah, and if you give them uh, outfit and a guideline to go by, and they can squeeze within that, it's very easy to do, and that's perfect breeding ground for psychopaths and shit. Anywho, this West Memphis three shit has been fascinating. Yeah, uh, we wanted to do this particular podcast because it hits close to home. Yeah. Um, it's important to get the word out continuously, even though it's been long done with and they are free, they weren't exonerated. It's worth looking into. I'm sure we missed many details, especially about them getting free. I'm glad that they're out. Uh, it's so sad to see because like, uh, Damien and Jason aren't so bad, but Jesse, he aged hard, man. Yeah, man. He took that rough. He's not. I mean, you know, they still, like, Damien looks pretty young and shit, you know. And like I said, he got a, like, pretty decent wife situation out of the whole deal. And Jesse's, like, making movies, and, or I'm sorry, Jason's making movies and shit like that. And he looks young still, but, man, Jesse aged hard, dude. And he, you have to almost feel sorry for him more than anyone else because he wasn't even friends with those two. Yeah. And he was mentally disabled, and he had this bond with his dad, and he's still, you know, in the documentaries, and I'm not sure if his dad's still alive, but that was a, I mean, they talked every single day that they could, and that was his whole plan, was just to get out and hang out with his damn dad, man. And that's so sad to see, because he's just dumb as fuck, and they set him down, and they took him, as opposed to the other two, and just pressed the hell out of him because they knew they could break him, and they did. Because uh, and that's the other thing too, man. Is it uh, when you look at prison culture? I know that now they segregate people that are uh, anything to do with child offenders. They're segregated, right? I don't know if that's the case in the nineties. So Probably not, man. the trauma that he. I mean, I know that they in prison you get trauma. I mean, there's oh, it was rough for them for inevitable. sure. Inevitable. They're weak. They're not criminals, dude. They're they weren't that person. They aren't those people. They weren't hard in any single. They weren't hard, man. They were not hard. They weren't mentally tough. They weren't physically tough. That was not an environment for them. And man, it's gotta fuck you up so bad to just go through all that when every day you're thinking you've got to be thinking positive like okay any minute now I'm going to get let out of here and you're thinking that because you know you're fucking innocent but then at the end of the day you end up getting stuck in there for 17 years man it's unimaginable and it's hell and there's nothing that anyone could ever do to make up for that I'm glad that uh, da- and Damien's doing particularly well now you know he's got he's intelligent yeah, he's a smart guy, dude, and he's got, he's he's writing books, he's doing speaking tours, he's doing all right, you know? Fuck, man, look at his wife. Just yeah, Miss Kelly, man. Man, people can't see that, dude. They can't see that, for sure, but look, 
I mean, there's a there's a tattoo on Jesse Miss Kelly's head of a clock, but it has no fucking hands on it, and he's like, I'm gonna get the time I get released tattooed on my head. My theory about that is I know that in Tucker Max, um, that's who, where they were at. Right? I, yeah, 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 they're in Tucker Max. Um, I actually had worked with people uh, from a previous job in uh, treatment facilities for a lockdown facility where they got released, um, and they talk about FaceTime. I'm like, well, what the fuck is FaceTime? How do you guys get fucking iPhones in there? And they're like, no, 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 man. It's a uh, just prison guards, female prison guards come in. And you have a dude that's your cellmate jack you off while you look at the fucking prison guard. <laughs> and that's FaceTime. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, maybe he got that fucking tattoo on his head for FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I really like. Nah, man. That, that whole thing is a fucked up event, man. And, it really uh, is. They didn't deserve any of that, man. And uh, it's fucked up because the guy that did it and possibly the two dudes that did it. Uh, are running fucking free, man, and and nobody's trying to do the right thing. I mean, they are these guys are. They really are trying to figure out. There's still to this day, there's people trying to figure out what's going on with that shit, and they want to solve that case only because um, the people. I mean, the three boys that died, they they deserve that justice, man. And we just, I mean, hopefully, if you have any information about that shit, man, um, I know that the West Memphis three dot org thing is still active. I think you can turn in information about that. If you want to document or testify or whatever, I, I, as far as I know, that's we're going to break the case. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that'd be cool, you know, but I mean, anytime a kid dies, it's not fucking cool, dude. Yeah, it's a mess, man, and uh, you know we're we're happy to put the coverage of it to rest. I'm sure that last podcast on the left will be covering this in a couple of months. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but man, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please help us in the struggle versus iTunes. And there's not much you can do. I mean, basically, it looks like we're gonna have to change the name of the podcast to Death Metal Detectives. From what I understand, if you subscribe, nothing will change. Just you know. Once it pops back up on there, just please hook us up with a five-star review. It's so easy, and man, that helps us out so much. And if you go on Facebook and just, if you like something about the show, just post on our wall. Post on the Death Metal Dicks Facebook wall. That just helps our ratings, man. It helps people get eyes on us. And that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to get the word out to the world that metal rules. We're going to solve crimes with death metal songs, and uh, we're going to play an entire Vor song, which is Thrown to the Wolves. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. Make a pact with Satan this week. I would say hold his hand, his cloven hoof. Look to the underworld for guidance in any problem you have. You may be out there and you are looking at the holiday season and you're looking at your finances and you know you got to buy gifts for people there's expectations that you provide things for them that make them feel good what they want most is your company your presence your joy your spirit around them so take the hoof of sweet lucifer get that confidence don't worry about the financial aspect of the holiday season and perhaps make a pact with him where you just project yourself into situations instead of presence. All right? Yep. Good night. Uh, also, before we go, uh, YouTube channel. I know it kind of sucks right now. I did a, I did a review of the new Blue Dust Nord record. Go check it out. I think I'm going to do one maybe tomorrow, probably for the Vor album that we're going to play a song from. Um, I'm going to get tanked and do it. I think it'll be better if I'm drunk. Mm-hmm.
be honest. Check that shit out. Yeah, check it out, Instagram, man. Facebook. We're trying to, shit. yeah, we're trying to do all that social media shit. You like us, we like you. Let's do this shit. Do it. Hell, Satan. We'll see you guys next week. Happy Thanksgiving. R.I.P. Manson.